I'm excited. Um, just over these uh, sort of three weekends in the beginning of March, we've been having what we call different voices, fresh voices. And it's an opportunity time um, for us to help some people who, who you know, um, have feeling a tug on their hearts to communicate and to preach and to teach. And so today I'm very excited to have our own Caitlin Daw come. Uh, Caitlin is a member of our church. She's been serving for, well, you've been, you folks have been here for the five years since yep. we've opened. Yep. We were here the three first children, Sunday. the first Sunday, yep, we were. Yep. three little girls later, <laughs> there's been a lot of life happening. <laughs> and Caitlin, really, um, God has a call in her life. And I'm very excited um, to have her come this morning. And just before she brings her message entitled, Can God Really Change Me? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd just like to pray for you. Okay, let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you so much um, for Caitlin right now. We know that you're going to speak through her. Speak, we pray. We are listening. We're ready to hear. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's give Caitlin a hand here as she... Well, hello. Thank you all for not running away when you heard it was me. <laughs> and thank you to I have so many friends and family who are here today too. It's just wonderful. And I'm so excited to speak to each one of you. It's going to be an exciting morning, an exciting morning. So this is my first time and I just pray the Holy Spirit will be here with us and um, you'll offer me grace. <laughs> Let's jump in. Let's go. So the question I have for us here today is... Can God really change me? Well, me, me, mother of three, wife of one. <laughs> one. Trevor and I, like Carolyn said, had three little girls and we, we had our three little girls in three and a half years. So yeah, so you can imagine the chaos that surrounds our house sometimes. It's, it's crazy. And it, it, would be, it would be easier if I was more like, a mom like, say, Claire Huxtable from The Cosby Show. We all know Claire. She was lovely. She always looks great, even in her sweatsuit. She was patient, wise. She was kind. And she always had the time of day for any one of her five children. Five children. And plus, we all know the little thing about Claire Huxtable, don't we? The lady was a lawyer, so she had a lot of spare time to spend with her children. So yeah, seriously, really? If I was like her, it would all be good. But I'm not like her. Some days I'm a little more like George Costanza's mom, Estelle. Do we remember her? She'd be like, George, George. That is me. Some days I will admit it to you all. But anyway, if we're all honest, our sin, our sin in our lives, it runs deeper than we would ever care to admit, doesn't it? Some days I honestly wonder to myself, is this seriously the best I can do with what I have? The Apostle Paul says something for all of us when he says in Romans, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And some days I wonder to myself, who am I to even call myself a Christian? Really? We all have been there wondering this. How can God really change me? Well, 
Spoiler alert, yes, of course he can. Why would I be here if he couldn't, right? Yes, he can. And I shouldn't give away the punchline, but seriously, it is too good to keep a secret. Spread it. Spread it around. Yes, God can change us. And he changes us because he loves us so much. So in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, we read this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and it is pleasing and perfect. So we're going to zero in here today on verse 2 and talk of three ways God says. Paul says through God that he can change us. So first, I'm just going to give you a little background on this part of the Bible. Paul was writing to the Roman Christians who he was longing to visit. He hadn't been there yet. The first 11 chapters of Romans, when you read them, they're rather theological. Um, but chapter 12, which is what I just read from, begins his more practical application of those 11 chapters. So we'll just, here's verse 2 again, just so we get it in our heads when we talk. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. <sighs> then you will learn to know, or sorry, into, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let's look at these three ways. So first, stop copying. Let's face it. It is easy to get caught up doing things that everyone else does. Often, we don't really even see that we're copying the world. We just see it as living our lives like everyone else, right? But as Christians, we're called to live our lives counterculturally. So look at the lives of the first two disciples. Andrew, they had good jobs fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Everybody just picture it for a minute. Here these two guys were on a boat with nothing but blue sea and blue sky. There's like a seagull floating by, rocking back and forth. I mean, what a life. Their jobs are what we do on vacation. <laughs> and I'm sure that they had a pretty awesome tan. Unlike us in March in Moncton, right? <laughs> But they, you know, they were just minding their own business, living their lives like everyone else was, right? Doing what their fathers' fathers had been doing generations before. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and he calls out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. To the rest of this world, it must have looked ludicrous these two fishermen turning their backs on fishing and following this random Jesus guy who came along. Jesus asked Peter and Andrew to change their lives. And they said, yes. By choosing to follow Jesus instead of this culture's customs, these first two disciples ended up having their fundamental idea of who God was totally revolutionized. Little did they know that as Jewish fishermen one day and fishers of man the next, Jesus, Jesus would change both their vocation and their identity. They would never be the same again. So 
Can we be changed like those disciples in this day and age? I mean, we don't have Jesus here, but we do have the Bible, which is filled with Jesus's words. And I'm going to just talk about a little bit of those, those words. The customs of our world say, store up your wealth. You never know when you're going to need it. Acts 20, 35 says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The world says, the way you look is of utmost importance. Be thin. Wear this. Smell like Elizabeth Taylor. No. Jesus says, why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. How many movie plots have revenge as the goal? What does Jesus say about forgiveness instead? Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And of course, the most radical act of unconditional love. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The Bible gives real ways for us to live our lives as Christ followers, but we can't do it alone. Only God can wrench our fingers off our grip of material things. Only God can change our selfish, sin-filled hearts. Only God can show us the new way, the way we don't copy the world's customs. Only God can transform us. So who here will admit that they were glued to the TV in February watching the Olympics? <laughs> my family was, yeah, and my girls, they just loved to cheer. We taught them to cheer, go Canada, go, every time we won, it was fun. And it, I always find it so impressive the way those athletes perform under such high pressure. And, and, and what about the size of those speed skaters' legs? They're like my torso. They're huge. Yeah. And those figure skaters who do those flips and they land them, they're amazing. And, and really, we aren't born with massive thighs or lightning-fast reflexes, are we? We're not. And there are many, many years of dedication those athletes use in their training. They train and train and train. And, and they have many people backing them up. Parents, coaches, sports psychologists, massage therapists. I mean, like, it goes on, right? These regular people are transformed into superhuman athletes. But guess what? Way back when, when they were younger, each one of these athletes had to make a choice. We, were they just speed skating because it was fun? Or did they want something more? There was a time when each one of these athletes had to choose. They had to say yes to being transformed. So how do we change the way we think, like Paul asks us? Well, just as an athlete has to obey the direction of their coach, we must do the same in our lives with our heavenly coach. God created you, and he knows you, and he knows you sin, but he loves you totally. That's awesome. If we really want to let God transform our lives, we first have to acknowledge our sinfulness, and then we have to relinquish our self-will to him. We must surrender to God's perfect will for our lives. And of course, that's not easy. It's not. Just like athletes train every day and think about winning a gold medal, 
we have to focus on our own God-given goal, which is to grow more like Jesus every day. As Christians, we have the special ingredient. We have the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. He's in our lives. However, we must surrender our wills to him and say yes. Allow him to work in our lives. Once we stop trying to conform to this world and surrender our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit, then Jesus can work. The Holy Spirit is a gift we receive when we become a Christian, but we need to be aware of his presence in our day-to-day lives. Keep listening to him. And when you hear him, and you will hear him, then say yes to him. How do we say yes? How? How? Seems arbitrary. Well, to learn and obey, it's not easy, of course. And obedience comes, obedience comes as a response to the spirit. It's not something we can make ourselves do on our own. The more we listen to the Holy Spirit and the more we obey him, the more we learn what God's will is for our lives. So, for example, it's the same thing every night at my house. Seven o'clock rolls around. There are three tired little girls who need to go to bed. After the snack, the brushing the teeth, the Bible story, the prayer, the songs, the tucking in with the blankies and the door closing, but not totally closed, but just so close to being closed. They're snuggled down and Trevor and I are like, oh, thank goodness that is done. And then we all know what happens, right? It's not us going downstairs and putting our feet up. It's, mom, I need my blankie. I need a drink. Daddy, where's my kitty? For like a long time. (laughs) It's awesome. And Trevor and I are just like in the kitchen, like go to sleep, go to sleep. It's for your own good. Go to sleep. We want you to. (sighs) Yes, it would be good if only they would just submit and obey to us. It's for their own good, seriously. Anyway, it's obvious, isn't it, that we are like my three darling little daughters. We are. We need sleep, but oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to go to sleep. We don't want to obey. But guess what? Obedience is the way in which we learn to know God's will for you, as Paul says, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It is so important to listen to what God is asking you. Once you stop and listen and discern what God is asking, then say yes to him and you start your transformation into a new person. You must actively engage with God. This comes from spending time with him through prayer and Bible reading and then including him in your thoughts and choices. Has God been prompting you to live more generously? Say yes. What about starting down the road to forgiveness? Just take a step. Perhaps there is someone who you need to show more love to. Ask God to open your heart. By sending Jesus to die for your sins, God has said yes to you. He says, I love you and I will do anything to have you with me. To be changed, each one of us must say yes to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God wants to work with each one of us and teach us what his will is for our lives. Discern and ask God for guidance. He will never ask you to do something that doesn't glorify him with your life. 
Paul says, God's will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. Of course it is. God is good. One final note about allowing God to change us, and perhaps it is the most scary note of all. The fact is, when you let God into your life, he's there and he is in charge. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect, but it is not always easy. In fact, saying yes to God's will is not easy at all. Look at Jesus' life before the world was even created. He knew that we would sin. He knew that he would send his beloved son, Jesus, to earth to die a cruel and painful death on the cross as we celebrated Easter. He knew that Jesus would obey him to the death and overcome death and rise again. But in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is there about to walk through this. And this is his prayer. He, he's praying and he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I do not want your, my, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. Drops of blood. That's, that's intense. Jesus died for each one of us. He says yes to us. He said yes to God. He overcame death because he obeyed the Father. And we thank the Lord for our salvation through Jesus because, of, because God's good and pleasing and perfect will wasn't easy for him, and it's not easy for us either. As most of you know, this past year has been a particularly difficult one for my family and I. My father-in-law, Owen Daw, spent 10 months battling cancer. When the doctors finally figured out what was wrong and explained to us on Good Friday last year that Owen had terminal cancer, we were all extremely devastated. It was very hard. They said he was going to be gone within six months. Wow. Wait a minute. Isn't God's will for us good, pleasing, and perfect? This did not fit the bill. And Owen, he was a minister. He was a man of God. He loved the Lord and sacrificed his life for him. And now this? It did not seem fair to us at all. We all started to pray for healing. And Owen started to pray too. And of course he prayed for healing, but more powerfully, Owen prayed that God's will would be done and that God would be glorified through it. Well, I personally struggled with this diagnosis. What was God's will in this? Why was this even happening? Could God heal Owen? Would God heal Owen? We all prayed in our different ways for Owen. Some people had more radical proclamations than others. And honestly, I found it really confusing. What was God's will in this? This did not seem good, perfect, and pleasing. Well, this all went on throughout the summer, and I found myself in a period of deep questioning in my faith. If I believe what doctors say, do I have faith that God can heal? If I don't have faith, then am I really a Christian at all? I had no idea what to think. And I was confused as to what God's will was for our beloved Owen. Owen got sick again in November. And 
This time the doctors told us it was gonna be days. Yikes. We were in the emergency room that night with Owen and I had brought my Bible. Not because I'm awesome, but mostly because I just wanted to hold something. And if I couldn't hold one of my babies, I thought, well, I can hold my Bible. So I had it with me. And I asked Owen, Owen, is there anything in the Bible you want us to read? And he, he, he said Psalm 100, which I'll read for you now. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord, gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues throughout the generations. Even in all his pain and the huge amount of uncertainty surrounding his situation, Owen was certain of the goodness of God. He was still praising the Lord. Well, Owen was moved from there to palliative care and we all thought, this is it. We have to talk to the girls. We have to tell them what's going on. And then we were surprised again. Owen started to recover and eventually he was sent home just before Christmas. How often does that happen? I don't know. We were so happy and relieved, and I was very happy and relieved, but deep down I was confused and even more angry at God. How could you put us through this? Didn't God know his own will for Owen? All this back and forth, and I found it hard to handle. Through this, Owen just kept praising the Lord and asking that God would be glorified with it. When Owen finally went back into palliative care the last time, we all knew this would be it. Owen was in and out of sleep, and he was not eating. But being a man whose heart desired the will of God more than anything else, Owen submitted his will to God's will. The last words we, Owen ever spoke here on earth were in a prayer with his family. He prayed an amazing prayer full of praise to God. He thanked God for his life. He thanked God for his family and his children and his grandchildren. And he passed away two days later without speaking again. Owen surrendered his life to the will of God. Owen entered the gates with thanksgiving in his heart. He learned what it was to suffer and to set his heart on Jesus and to desire the will of God to the death. Praise the Lord for Owen and his testimony to us. And so, dear brothers and sisters, as Paul says, we must surrender our wills and say yes to the Lord, no matter what he asks us, even though it, is, it, may, it may hurt. It is, it is going to hurt. This is earth. Let us live our lives radically against the customs of this world through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must allow our lives to be transformed and live our lives as a living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord because only then we can be changed. So let's just say a prayer. Father God, you know who we are. 
You know the darkest, most evil parts of us. And sometimes we don't even know how dark we, we actually are. But we believe in you. And we know that you are working in our lives. We give up our plans to you and ask that you would make us desire you in our lives. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus. And I pray that you would touch each one of our hearts as we go from here today. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.